This is Nest, produced in association with Foul Writing. The 15th and final letter in this series is written and read by Sherazad Garcia-Rangel. Elia Bramwell McDonough, 26 Church Road, Itminston, Wiltshire. Dear Mrs. Ryder, It shames me to admit this is only the second attempt I have made at getting in touch with you since your letter confirming you received the check in November last year. Whoever chronicles what has happened in Cornwall in the last few months will surely lay blame on me for my reticence. Of this, I am at fault, Mrs. Ryder, but I'm writing this letter now to assist where I could not before. Too late this will come, I know, and I will carry that burden until my last days. For now, if you haven't turned this letter apart, let me put my theatricals aside and reach out to you, firstly to offer what I owe, my condolences and an explanation. I am frightfully sorry for what has befallen your husband, your nephews and your neighbors. Had I known that anything from my father's aviaries could have caused such harm, I would have destroyed it and those haunted places long before. Perhaps I should have known. You know now that something like this happened before. But I never thought. I held on to a fantasy of my childhood and hid from myself the dreadful parts. Are we all guilty of this? They should teach us to grow out of it sooner. I heard from Dr. Penlan, a dear friend, what is happening now. She is very hopeful for your nephews, which lightens my heart. But nothing is yet known for those like Mr. Flynn Ryder, already stoned before we reach this new advancement. We must wait, she says. So in this wait, let me accompany you with my second offering, an explanation. I had indeed written one and sent it on to Penzance, but it failed to reach you. When the letter returned to me with the information that you had taken yourself and your daughter out of England, I breathed a sigh of relief and immediately burned the letter. It was incomplete and obscure, so perhaps it is a good thing that now I can make things clearer. The throb is what anchored us together before, Mrs. Ryder. But it now must be this, the story of my father and the creature who bore the eggs. My father was a peculiar, brilliant man, a young heir to a small fortune and curious to a fault. He was known for indulging in any project that took his fancy. The aviaries, now dust, were his long-standing fascination and people from across England would come to see the rarities of his collection. This wouldn't be permitted anymore, I should think, as you rightly hinted on one of your letters. For you see, Mrs. Ryder, many of his treasures were indeed illegally traded. Father had friends and lived in another time. This is what we say when we explain how he got away with it. Family lore has it that in one of his journeys with mother, on the same year I was sent to boarding school, their sailboat beached on an uninhabited island in the middle of the Atlantic. Some aunts say that it was in the North Sea. I have also heard that it was in the Adriatic. It has been found and secure, whatever it is. 
In any case, on this trip, as they waited for rescue, Father took himself to explore the flora and fauna on the island. Mother, it is said, was fascinated by the island's springs and swore all her life that her useful looks and unblemished skin were due to the many baths she took as they waited. Ten days they were stranded on the island, and ten days it took my father to discover fauna and flora of such particularity that he spent the rest of his life writing journals about it. These journals now belong to one of father's friends, a Professor Pendrick, and thus are lost to me. The most remarkable thing father found, I am sure you can now guess, was the creature. Some say it once inhabited Cornwall, but that it sought refuge far away when the mining started. Did it live in the belly of the caves? A bird of sorts is all I can remember, but with armored skin on its body instead of feathers, hard and gray like stone, almost the size of an adult man. However father managed to bring one from the island remains a mystery. I spent my youth thinking I must have imagined this thing, dreamed it. I don't trust my memory of it. Dr. Penland must know what it looks like, for she has now seen it. But whenever I asked, she swallowed and mumbled that it was best not to bring back a nightmare. I trust her with this and with my life. What connects us all, Mrs. Ryder, was the creature's first victim, if we must call her so. I can only think of her as little Rose, Rose Petra Hayworth, a childhood friend, the daughter of Dr. Hayworth, one of Dr. Elizabeth Penland's mentors. There, full circle. But let me tell you how this came to be. Rose came with her family to the unveiling, a routine in our household, for as I have said, father's aviaries were an attraction. These parties gave both my parents a chance to show their wealth and eccentricities. I remember this one as crystal chandeliers, large bases brimming with white peonies, the scent of which permeated house and garden, and clusters of well-dressed, nonsensical adults. My friends and I took ourselves to father's studio, only accessible to me during those parties, and from there to the aviaries. Every day since then, I regret this. My friends knew that there was a new creature there, Mrs. Ryder, and stupid and considered as I was, I promised to show them. There were many a treasure there, brilliantly feathered or smooth and slippery in the darkness, but they insisted on seeing the creature first and we all ran to the oldest aviary, almost a ruin then. Upon seeing the creature nervously circling its cage, my friends, thinking themselves powerful, got closer. It flapped and clawed at their taunts, but they kept themselves away from the bars of the cage, all well enough except Rose. She adored animals, Mrs. Ryder, and even though she was the youngest, she didn't fear this thing. She had found an opening where the rusty bars met the ground and slid herself into the cage whilst I was trying to distract the others away from the creature. 
The most remarkable thing was, Mrs. Ryder, that the creature didn't fear her. Instead, once Rose was at the center of the cage, the creature wrapped itself around her and started a soothing mood at tapping. Elizabeth tells me it is now used along with my mother's remote island tonic as part of the treatment to undo petrification. Over and over again, like a mother singing a lullaby to a child. Rose passed so quickly that mother assured me she knew no pain. She stands since then next to my father on the state's ancient stone circle. I wonder if those stones had once been like us too, like them. I have attached a photo of her. I don't know why. It brings me comfort to visit her. Rose and father are the stones in the middle. I have rambled on enough, Mrs. Ryder. Olia, can I call you that? Write to me again, if you would like. I will want to know about Flynn and the boys. Know, though, that I have spent my story in this letter, and now have little else to say about the past, father or little Rose. The aviaries are now destroyed, as I have said. What I know that might be helpful to you is this. Dr. Penland has been granted the funds to lead an independent review on the government's involvement in all of this. I imagine you would want to know what she finds. The island, one of the circles of hell, I am sure. It is on the hands of the Danish, I am told who have claimed it after a few Viking maps seem to describe it. May they keep it. Read not the news, dearest Mrs. Ryder, for the spin doctors are at work. A Bertram Wilson has come out of the woodwork and managed to get himself named head of the new ministry for the strange. Father's journals, the ones that I have left in my possession, name a B. Wilson as an associate of Professor Pendrick. Perhaps my imagination runs away with me, but I do not trust the man. One final note. Please give my best to your daughter, the bright and persistent Sarah, a great credit to you and your husband. Without her, Dr. Penland might not have found me nor mother's miracle tonic. I was so grateful to be able to assist her with that, and my emotions betray me when I think of dear mother helping to undo what father unwittingly started. Had we known then, please keep well, Mrs. Ryder. With every respect and best wishes, Elijah Branwell McDonough. P.S. I hope one day you can forgive me. With this letter, I send another throb. Dr. Penland assures me it is eggless. So thank you very much for reading. Thanks for having me. And this is the end. This is the last letter. Yes. How, do, how does it feel to be Slightly very it? scary. I knew right about, I think it was letter two or three, that it was going to be me doing mm -hmm. the end. I can't remember whether Melissa 
just assign me the last letter or whether I volunteer is is blurry to me. Melissa <laughs> will have to answer that. Um, but I've been dreading it ever since. <laughs> um, I was really glad when I actually wrote it, but I'm really scared now how people will react. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I hadn't read it. I, I make a, a point of not reading the letters before yeah. I get into the studio. Mm-hmm. So that was my first time hearing it. Oh, right. And <laughs> I think it's a really great conclusion right. to the series. The, did it totally disappoint you? <laughs> no, no. I think it ties up all of the loose ends that I had in my mind. There were things when you were reading, I was like, but what about this other thing? And then later in the letter, mm. you mentioned the other thing that I was thinking about. I was like, oh, oh it's fine. Everything's yeah. sorted. <laughs> um, so how, how do you think this series went? Obviously, right. it was kind of your it was you know your project originally it was your idea yeah um so did you see it going like this at all not even a little bit Uh um calls it my brainchild just because i came up with the idea of doing an epistolary project because i really like the form Mm -hmm. and a serialized collaborative project because i wanted to see how we can kind of renew that form it used to be very it used to be how Charles Dickens wrote and how lots of really great writers wrote. So I thought, well, maybe there's a way we can kind of bring a little bit of life back into that. Um, the, I don't know if you know where the prompt of the nest comes yes, from. Yes, it was from Kim Martindale's Yes, Kim nest. Martindale, she and had a nest. we will have a bonus episode of a, of a short interview I did with Kim. Yeah, definitely. Before she left. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I love to hear of, that. Of, of sort of why the nest, where yeah. the nest came from and that kind of stuff. So That's I'll great. So do tune in to listen to that. Yeah. But um, I just had this idea of this really small thing, mm-hmm. really kind of intimate and quiet, the, the way that I kind of perceive Kim to be. Yeah, sure. Um, and from the first letter, I was like, right, this is completely someone else's project now. <laughs> so I have felt really close to it because I work with Melissa to kind of make sure that everything's sticking along and support her whenever she needs it. And I have had access to the letters before their life and things like that. But it really just went whatever he wanted to go, which yeah. is what I wanted out of this project is that for people to find it playful and, and try something different. And I didn't really care what it went mm-hmm. as, as much as I cared for the experience of, yeah. let's try and do this. Let's see what we can do. Did it go where I wanted it to go? No, I don't think I had a wanted to go. Okay. But I'd never imagined that petrification would be no, <laughs> part I, of the A kind the of project. zombie apocalypse yes. situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, you say about it being intimate, but even from that mm. first letter, it was very distant because it was a letter of complaint, a yes. formal letter of complaint. Yes. Yes. So it was already kind of a bigger than yeah. this kind of intimate thing of finding a nest. and. Absolutely. And I find that letter... That's one of the letters I was most thinking about because I thought Amy did such a great job with it. But is this idea of a letter can be more than one thing. So what I love about the project, too, is that we have a letter of complaint, a letter to Santa, a letter of kind of a, a weird character and their beaker playing around mm-hmm. and doing different things. So um, It really set out what we could do and what everyone could do in this kind of free, loose, playful thing um, that hopefully became something good and powerful yeah i think it i think every single recording i've said oh that was different yes you know like we and i I think it also says something about letter writing Mm. in 
you know, 2019. Yes. We don't do it very often. No, we don't. And so it's kind of interesting to see what people's interpretations of letter writing now is, especially yeah. younger people. Yeah, I was actually listening to the episodes because I didn't hear past letter, I think Abigail's letter. I don't remember if it's episode seven or eight, but I told myself I'm just going to stop listening because I didn't want to know what people wanted to find out mm -hmm. out of the project. I didn't want to have the expectations in yeah. my mind. I wanted also to have the opportunity to play and be free with that letter. And I know I wouldn't if I, if I knew what people wanted yeah. out of the last letter. Um, but I did listen because I knew I was doing the, the recording today. I did listen this week. And my sister, hello, sister, um, she has been listening and commenting as she goes. And when she found out I was the last one in, she said, like, right, you have a lot of expectations to tackle there. And not sure I did the right job, people, but um, I wanted to answer that first letter in a way where that one was a letter of complaint. Mm -hmm. And this is a letter of almost absolution, someone who's really in themselves he hasn't appeared throughout the project, mm. even though he's kind of the person who created this situation. Yeah. Um, and there's a need in, in, a, in a lot of literary letter writing, there's a need to kind of reach out and ask for forgiveness or, you know, have your guilt laid out as mm. opposed to carry it. So I wanted to play with that um, and to have McDonough reappear because I was quite surprised that no one picked him up. Well, yeah, that this is the first time we've heard McDonough's voice. Yes. Right? So I wrote a letter to McDonough. You did, yes. From Wilson. That's right. And then uh, Luke Thompson yes. wrote a letter to McDonough as well. Yes, and there was someone, he was a McDonough too, but he was um, a relation, I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. It, I was like, let's hear from McDonough. Yeah, <laughs> so it was. It, it's really cool to kind of have this cyclical mm series but this be the first time we actually hear from almost the protagonist the, yeah, the instigator in a way. yeah the person in the shadows i think yeah yeah um almost sort of reflective of of your role as well so it's interesting that you <laughs> i haven't thought about it that way yeah. it's interesting that you picked the role of <laughs> yeah. mcdonna in that you were the one in the shadows kind i was of, in the shadows yeah. you know Knowing instigating the happening. whole thing yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's something you didn't think about. But. I didn't. No, no, no. You're you're making me aware of that now. I I knew I wanted to write from McDonald the moment I read Amy's letter. I knew that, but I kept thinking someone someone will do it. So your your letter came and I was like, oh, someone else is about to do it because they will answer this kind <laughs> of governmental letter. Um, and then Luke mentioned him. I was like, oh my god, the next letter is going to be. So I was slightly dreadful that someone would grab that idea. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad no one did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so the letter itself mm. is a lot longer than the other yes. ones have been. Yeah. Necessarily so. I think so. I was I was a bit worried about that because um, I hadn't agreed with um, Melissa that it was going to be longer. Mm. Um, I sat down with all of them. I printed them all and I analyzed them like you would a literary text. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I knew kind of what I wanted to do and I knew what it would look like a little bit. I knew it was a letter of from him to Olya kind of, I regret this that happened to you because of something of my father's. Um, but I, I knew I had to make sure that I was touching enough on the things that had happened without wrapping everything up with a bow. I didn't mm. want to do that. But it had to refer. And, and in the referral of, I referred to 
Honey's letter, for example, I yeah. refer to the stone moving people because that kind of changed that up until letter 14. They yeah. were becoming petrified and not moving, mm. but he made them movable. So that kind of made it a little bit different. Um, so I had the, the plan of doing that letter, but I really did have to analyze all of that. And when it came to, and because it's a letter of, please forgive me, um, it just is necessarily longer. He feels this need of explaining, mm. um, which was slightly weird because you had to keep it slightly open as well. That's why I put the PS at the end to yeah. be like, mm, there's another throw. <laughs> Hashtag hint. <laughs> um, but yes, um, it had to be longer in a way that the other ones didn't. And it also goes alongside something we're trying to do in file writing, which is to test longer content and see what happens yeah. with it. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was it was cool. It did, you know, it felt like that we were really tying things up, not necessarily completely. Yeah. But, but that, that cyclical thing I was talking about. Yeah. But we also have these stories, these anecdotes, mm. um, two of them within this letter. The one yeah. of the island... Mm-hmm. exploration stuff which is again unlike anything we've seen <laughs> in terms of genre this almost almost fantasy yeah there's a little uh, bit of that there's a lot of mythological mm-hmm. um allusions in there of the yeah. the woman bathing in the natural springs <laughs> yes. and stuff brings to mind you know yeah. um artemis the huntress Absolutely, and stuff yeah. like that um and then we also had the the childhood story we did yes which this is now the sort of second time i guess we've kind of heard a child story mm-hmm. involved in this after yeah. uh, Dan's letter. Yeah. Um, but again, this kind of tragic story, mm. but it felt very, I, it was very visual. I could definitely oh, see this happening almost like a Netflix drama or something. <laughs> it felt, yeah. Well, Netflix is influencing us all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this, this story, this one letter is a huge story in itself, mm. but also plays into the rest of everything yeah. kind of and i think that's really impressive mm-hmm. um so what did you what were you trying to we've kind of talked about your expectations yeah at the beginning versus yeah. and and sort of how that's changed mm. i i kind of wanted to talk to you about the process in general mm-hmm. of how this is a reflection of 21st century letter writing but also yep. trying to bring epistolary writing mm-hmm. up to date yeah um but now that it's finished mm. is there anything you wanted to do with it yeah so in interestingly enough i think this is something melissa and i have discussed is how i think it worked better as a podcast mm-hmm. than it did online it did really well online and and we had a small but really lovely cult following yeah. which i think that's what we would get um this kind of unique um, set of people who were trying to find this weird story and what's happening. Um, I think it proved successful. I think it proved what I wanted to prove that file writing can be something fun and playful and weird, and we can use other things, older things, and and throw them again and see is this relevant still? Can we still do something mm-hmm. interesting still? Um, I think we're, we are going to continue to do another one. Um, I have a, an idea what it might be. Um, I'm not going to say anything <laughs> because it's not up to me this time. 
um, but uh, Sam Tempest, who wrote one of the letters yep. with Eileen, um, he's going to be the new Melissa. He's going to be okay. looking after the new project. I think for fall writing, it proved that we can do something like that, that it doesn't only have to be a sort of blog for the school. It can mm -hmm. be something where a platform where we test weird new projects out. Yeah. Um, and that way it's a bit more flexible and, and a bit more interesting. And I think successfully it did that. So I am very proud and happy. I knew it would, but it's nice to have that validation of it did. Yeah. People yeah. read it, people engaged. Um, I was really happy to hear from the different writers in the episodes how they were they were playing again with writing. Mm. And I think sometimes it can be with assessment a bit tricky to to remember that writing can be just fun. Yeah. And and that's also part of that, of that expression of I'm gonna do something I've never done before. Mm. And that's what I want those kind of projects to do. Yeah, we had several people returning to prose for the first yes. time in a long time, you know, and because they'd been doing poetry modules and, mm -hmm. and script writing modules. Yeah. And we had people that, you know, my age who haven't written a letter in <laughs> yes. however many years. You made that comment. I was like, right, no one has written a letter. Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that is is really cool that this is. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the next one. Yes, me too. It's going to be great as well. I think it's, a, it's interesting in now that we're in Woodland Campus and with everything that's going on around us, it's really inspiring. But I think we can now lead a little bit. Mm with that and, and be the people who do the weird things. That's that's kind of what I want this type of project to do. Yeah, definitely. Mm. One last thing that I had about the letter that sure. I just <laughs> forgot I'd written down is that we went 15 letters without describing the bird. I know, And yes. you finally did it. <laughs> and I there wondered you go, if, <laughs> if you had in your mind, you had what it was from the beginning For, or from, yeah. from when it had hatched. But what surprised me was like the size of the thing yeah it's you a said about thing. it being <laughs> the size of an adult man I was I, I had it as a little little bird running around did you <laughs> I it was interesting because the eggs were actually small so it's slightly mm. a contradiction normally if it's a bigger bird it will be a bigger egg um I didn't have what it was in my mind but I remember from Honey's letter she introduced this kind of mythical Cornish thing mm. this folkloric Cornish thing and I I thought that was a really great idea and I wanted to kind of come back to that. And I, he describes it, but what I liked about the description as well was that he doesn't really trust his own description of it. So it's, it's a man looking back, uh, an old man looking back at a really traumatizing period of his life where he kind of wrapped it up and didn't look at it again. Um, so it is slightly truth and not. Mm. We're playing a little bit with it's kind of like a bird, but it's also almost the size of a man. But it's this really gentle creature, which I thought I'm going to throw that spin in the works there because it was feared and, and it yeah. was doing this weird thing. And it made and people aggressive. It made people aggressive. Um, but I didn't. And it could be aggressive because he kind of claws and stuff when the ch children are poking him. Mm. But it's also this creature that was taken from somewhere else without mm. their will and kind of locked in a cage. Um, so I wanted I wanted it to be slightly different than what people were expecting. It's not a monster. It's we've made it into one mm. kind of thing. Yeah, I think for the first time, right at the end of the project, I feel sympathy yeah. for what has Good. traditionally <laughs> been the villain of the piece. The villain is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It feels, it feels very uh, Frankenstein 
Yes, a little bit. You pity Frankenstein for everything that he's kind of forced to do by his environment. It's the same with this bird. Yeah. Yeah, I I just wanted to mention that. Because it it amused me that we'd, every time I mentioned (laughs) it to someone after their letter, where they sort of allude to the creature. Yes. Like, so what is it? And they go, I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't want to be the one to have to describe it. (laughs) To be honest, I don't think I sat down with the idea of describing it. Mm -hmm. It sort of came about, I was walking in the rings of, um, and the stone rings in Bodmin Moor and there was someone walking around with their dog and I, I knew I had to write the letter soon and it just kind of came this idea that maybe these petrified things mm. weren't actual stones but they were people Yeah. Um, so it had happened before like really anciently and I thought okay I can do something with this and then when I was describing how that happened he just appeared I didn't even question it he was just there so Sorry if it's not a big monster that scares everyone. But <laughs> no, I think this is much more interesting. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it seems almost easy to make it terrifying and scary. Maybe. But yeah. it's something different to have it, you know, embrace Rose. Mm. And I wanted to do it. Interestingly, um, I think Eileen and Sam were discussing how they didn't want to go Victorian. Mm. And in a way, I actually wanted to. I wanted to go slightly older, slightly mythical a bit more like that genre of adventure writing a little bit mm. before where there's a tragedy and in, in, in an old house where only one person lives yeah. and it's very gothic yeah i did definitely wanted to go gothic um but in that sense of of bringing it enough that is in the present um but as a memory that you can sort of trust and not mm. And I also imagine lots of conspiracy theorists um, springing from a letter like this, you know, um, yeah. because he says all the things about the government's been doing may naughty things yeah. and we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about now that, um, now that we've come to the end? I wanted to thank everyone because everyone took it really in, a, in their stride and, and did something that didn't have many rules, which is... I didn't want to prescribe much with this project and just went for it. So thanks to all the writers who have participated in the project. Thanks amazingly to Melissa, who's mm-hmm. done a really great job in, in making sure this sticks over over almost half a year, pro- more than half a year. Yeah. And to you as well, because she's done a really great job with the podcast and we're really proud of it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. This has been Nest. Uh, It's been an amazing project to be part of over these 15 episodes, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what else Foul Writing are doing in the future. Thanks again to Sherazad for all of her wonderful work on this project and for this last letter, and to Melissa Sariazdi for keeping this project all together. Check out everything else we do from now on at foulwriting.com.